0: Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can sisters,
1: joining me in this studio today is the fabulous Kaz Amos, psychotherapist, psychologist in the making, fabulous Got you Back Sister Workshop facilitator. Hey, Kaz, how you doing? Hey, Mel, how are you today? All the better for seeing you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Look, sisters, if you're listening, we wanted to talk today about trauma. And the reason why is a couple of reasons. First of all, we're living through some really crazy times right now. Um, You know, there's so much fear-based stuff going on in the world with global pandemics and Taliban's invading Afghanistan and unrest in, you know, countries around the world, you know, on on that higher level. But also on a more personal level, I guess over the years since starting the charity Got Your Back, Sister, um, which helps women and children rebuild their lives after having fled the most traumatic of times, domestic violence. I've become much more aware of trauma and the impacts of trauma from the women that we see come into Got Your Back Sister. Lovely women who are living every day trying to come to terms with and heal from trauma that they've experienced either as a child or as an adult. And Kaz, you know, you had a counselling business for 20 years. You now work at Got Your Back Sister, helping firsthand women who have experienced some of the worst traumas. But trauma doesn't necessarily always need to be big trauma. We can experience all types of trauma and I thought it would be great to have Kaz in today to actually talk about that, to actually talk about the types of trauma there are and the impact that it can have on us throughout our lives and then what we can actually do to heal from that. There's such very, very big questions
2: and trauma itself is, I suppose, one of those things that we don't want to talk about out loud. It's sort of not okay for us to say, oh, I've been traumatised by this experience. It's just one of those things that we like to keep to ourselves and probably because it, it's a real tender spot. It's, a, it's, you know, personally it can be that place of you that you don't want anyone to know about or it might come with shame or guilt or pain, serious pain from, from the past or as in the situation of our ladies that got your back, sister pain that is in the midst of being healed. I suppose, you know, some of the women that come in, they it's their first time they've ever reached out for help and even admitting that those circumstances are happening when they get home is, I suppose, a reckoning, a real recognition of this is what's happening in my life and it's so hard. So sometimes being honest about trauma
1: is very, very difficult. Yeah. What's your understanding of the definition of trauma? Because uh, the reading that I've done says that there are kind of all sorts of different definitions of trauma. I think essentially at a
2: very basic level, you are looking at levels of stress. So we have healthy stress and that can bring positive things out in us. So, um, you know, a goal, we apply our own level of stress to that goal in order to achieve it. Running an event. Running an event. That's right. Because the outcome is great and you can probably predict the outcome and you can see it. So the stress, you know, well, that's adequate
1: for what I need to get to that place. Going for a job promotion or trying a new hobby, something like that.
2: Going for a run, doing a new exercise regime, trying something different. Doing an honours at university. <laughs> Shout out to all the honours people. <laughs>
1: um, Kaz is in her; is just about finished her psychology degree. She's almost finished fourth year of honours. Mm, yep. High and, five to
2: you, sister. Well, it has been one of those stresses that hopefully pays off in the end. I mean, I'm sure it will. But yeah, it's it's definitely something that it's been chosen, and I knew it was going to be hard, and so I'm doing the hard things in the meantime the next level of stress up, they're potentially toxic stresses, but if we have people beside us to walk us through it, then we are more able to cope with that stress. So maybe when we're children and we are having difficulties with our friends at school and we go home and we talk to our parents or our brother or sister about it, and they are the person then that can hold us steady and help us through that period of time, then that stress is not traumatic as such because we're able to move through it. And then we have big T stress or big T trauma or big giant stresses where we don't get any assistance whatsoever to make it through. And those are often the ones that stick the most, that hurt the most and leave the scars.
1: So, Kate, when you were still running your counselling business and actually even, I suppose, women that you help at Got You Back Sister... Would you say that generally people are dealing with the big T stresses or are they more kind of smaller stresses? Because my understanding is that there can be even just lots of little stresses that can happen through life that can have as just a bigger impact as a big T stress.
2: Yeah, I I guess you're referring to like cumulative stress. Yeah. So small things that are unaddressed time and time and time again. And yeah, they can
1: build up in people. I had a guest on Hazel Sister, I think would have been about 18 months ago, Emma Thompson. So Emma wrote a book. It was a memoir about her experience of suffering a psychotic breakdown and being hospitalised, being institutionalised. And when she, we were talking and, and I was asking, so, you know, what was it? What was the story that led to you having a psychotic breakdown? It was lots of little things like bullying at school mm-hmm. and feeling stress and anxiety. And it was like, it seemed as though it was lots of little things that happened that ultimately at 19 led to her having a psychotic breakdown. And, and it is that
2: buildup of unaddressed, unspoken, unprocessed feelings About things that happen to us or the lack of somebody supporting us through those things that can leave us feeling the stress and a great um a great reference book is called the body keeps the score by a man named Bessel van der Kolk and he talks about how um, stress events locate themselves in our body and it's up to us to um, process them by addressing them. And we can do that in physical ways. We can do that in you know, talking ways. We can do it in um, somatosensory therapy where we're tapping into our body and therapeutically expressing it with someone who can help. But having those resources are not at everybody's fingertips. And if you're in a stressful or traumatic situation, you don't know that that's what you need because your brain is shut down to... Good, clear, helpful thinking. You are in survival mode, and that is nearly nearly impossible to get out of without being able to find a sense of calm or somebody to support you through that uh, traumatic event.
0: Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram.
1: So, as before, we were having a conversation earlier around childhood traumas, because I guess that's something that we have seen a lot of women. I have a dear friend of mine who experienced a lot of childhood trauma. It wasn't directed at her, but she witnessed it. She had parents that were violent to each other. Even though they weren't violent towards her, they were violent to each other. But she grew up in that and witnessed it, and it's had a, a massive impact on her through the rest of her life in terms of um, she now believes she has ADHD, which is linked to childhood trauma in children witnessing violence. So we got chatting about adverse childhood trauma and you were telling me that there are kind of 10 – different things or like the occurrences in childhood that can be deemed trauma. Do you, do, can we go through those? Yeah, of course, of yeah. course. So
2: the scale that you're referring to or the, the questionnaire that addresses this type of trauma is called the Adverse Child Experiences Scale. And uh, it's a series of 10 things, as you mentioned, that can be experienced before a child turns 20. That when, they, when you take the score together, what your score is, it shows that there are certain correlations throughout your life that going through those traumas connect with, they correlate with. So the traumas are broken down into three parts, abusive traumas, neglect, and household traumas. So you might be thinking abuse is things like uh, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, neglect, is a neglect of emotional and physical needs. And things that happen in your household are things like, yes, domestic violence, as you've mentioned, substance abuse, mental illness of a parent, uh, divorce and separation, or having a parent incarcerated. And you can actually go and find this ACE. It's called the ACE. And you can go through and, and do your own calculation, tick yes or no to those experiences before you were 20 and when I did it, <laughs> when I did it, I, I was like, oh, good, I scored four. That's fantastic. What does that mean? And so I did a little bit of deep diving. Yes, so four is the beginning of where all of those correlations come into place. And if you have four or more ACEs, then you have three times the level of getting lung disease from smoking you're twice as likely to get liver disease. You're 4.5 times more likely to experience depression. So things like suicide attempts, diabetes, hypertension are all other physical correlates of emotional traumatic experiences. And everybody can, you can Google that and find out uh, what your own score is. And for me, really, I only did it last year I would never have said that I was a person who had experienced childhood trauma, although I did not grow up with one of my biological parents. What else? There was, oh, so there was alcoholism in my family and so a number of other things. And I can see, in part, maybe where my resilience and feistiness comes from and for anyone who knew me as a teenager who knew that I was a total bitch because I was very, very angry yeah. <laughs> about the emotional circumstances of my life. And so even though they weren't direct traumas, as a child I always felt like um, I was unlovable or unloved because I felt rejected by that parent who wasn't present for me.
1: Yeah. Well, that's comes under one of the ten neglect. Yeah. Emotional neglect.
2: Yeah. I felt neglected. I felt abandoned.
1: Yeah.
0: Want to fill your soul with more? Go to the So
1: earlier in this year, got your back sister, we made a short film around the impact of domestic violence on a child on children. Mm-hmm. And through that whole process of writing the script and bringing the cast together and finding a filmmaker and all of that, I learned a lot around children and trauma and the impact on children. And it was actually one of our previous guests, Colleen Mullins, Mm. who sat down and explained it to me one day and she said that a child doesn't need to necessarily have that like violence or abuse directed towards them. But it's enough for them to live with it and to witness it. And it will have the same impact in that their little brains are flooded with cortisol. And when that happens, they go into a state of fight, flight or freeze. So they become hypervigilant and living on edge, living on eggshells. And that that in turn can impact their brain, which manifests by um, having problems focusing they can't focus at school. They have trouble learning. Um, they have trouble controlling their emotions, so behavioural problems, which if not dealt with, can can translate like that will continue on until later in life. And it was a, a dear friend of mine. We've had conversations around this, and she's she has it's so funny she. Is now in her 40s, and she says to me, I have trouble focusing. I think I have ADHD. She has problems regulating her emotions. And, you know, when we've sat down and, and had chats about it, and I was telling her about all this that I'd learned making the short film, she's like, Oh, wow, that totally makes sense. It totally makes sense for me. And I'm like, How many other people are walking around thinking they, you know, going, I've got ADHD, I have trouble focusing, I have trouble regulating my emotions. I had learning difficulties and actually it stems back to trauma that they've experienced, or they've lived with as a child. Yeah, you can
2: imagine a child watching parents, whether it's violently fight or argue with one another. And I guess I just want to say if anybody's hearing this and feeling upset or triggered or emotional about this that's a really good sign that you'd need to find some good support to get you through this when a child sees that a child does not feel safe and really trauma is the thing that rocks our planet when it comes to safety because we're depending on those two people particularly if it's our parents to provide a safe place to provide um, and demonstrate how to regulate. And I'm so glad that you talked about self-regulation because that's the skill that we need to calm ourselves down when we feel super highly aroused or we feel completely withdrawn. So regulating our emotional state can sometimes be done really simply by checking in with our heart rate. You know, you might notice your heart rate beating out of your chest and learning how to do that. That's often the thing that parents do for their children when they're going through hard times. I know mothers rock their babies. Yeah. Standing, moving, creating rhythm, creating a sense of comfort. And I think those are the places that as adults we maybe feel naturally drawn to being unaware that maybe there's a trauma there that is saying, I need to be healed, you know, take care of me. Or the little person inside us going, I wished I never had to see that or be there while that was happening and no one ever taught me how to calm down. They all just said, calm down or (laughs) sit down and shut up or get out of here. It wasn't role-modeled for them. No, that's right. And how can it be between two adults in those circumstances that are unaware of the safety of their children,
1: maybe because they're trying to protect themselves so they can be there for their children. Mm. It's interesting. When I was chatting to a a caseworker I know who works, does intensive family work, so she works with families who are are at risk of losing their children for various reasons. It could be addictions, it could be neglect, or it could be domestic violence. And I was asking her about, you know, how do parents explain away what their children are witnessing, if they're witnessing violence or abuse in the home. And she said many parents are in complete denial about it. They're like, oh, no, they don't see, they don't hear, they don't know. And she's like, they do. They do see, hear and know. Right. Yeah, Yeah, but parents are in denial about it. I also
2: think that parents are protecting themselves Mm. and maybe don't have the bandwidth in their brain to be Uh, worried about everybody else if they're trying to save their own bacon. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because that person who is in the middle of the violent situation or aggressive situation, they are also in their brain shut down. Yeah. Either engaged heavily in being the aggressor or engaged heavily in survival.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I suppose... Trauma can impact us in a variety of ways, like what we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. But do you know what? Your view of the world, how you view yourself. Yeah. Am I enough? Am I good enough?
2: Am I worthy? Am I lovable? Yeah. Absolutely. Those things are key
1: to how we function, how we show up with one another. Yeah. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. just necessarily affect behavior, learning, um, emotional regulation. It's self-worth. Yeah. It's funny how that comes down to that. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, again, there'd be many women that we would see got your back sister that feel worthless. Oh, I really think that that's the starting point. It's, it's And it's, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I'm not good enough. Yeah. I can honestly say I've been through that myself <laughs>
2: and yeah. treated myself badly or allowed myself to be treated badly yeah. because I didn't know. Kind of believed a little bit of that. What the little person in me thought was not worthy of of staying for, you know, not worthy of of somebody's attention who was supposed to give me that attention. And I wasn't short of people who loved me, but there was just that one person, you know. Yeah. That I really wanted to to notice and know me.
0: Yeah. yeah. Want to save your soul? Review us on Apple Podcast.
1: Now, because one thing that I love about you is you, you have a really great way of explaining the impact of trauma on the brain. I've heard you do it a number of times, and every time I see you do it, I see the people in the room go, ah, right, now I get it. That's why that happens. That's why I do that. It's because actually this is going on in my brain. For any listeners out there, Kaz, do you mind sharing with us what does happen to the brain when we experience trauma? Okay. Well, let me start by saying your brain is
2: an amazing pattern-finding machine. It is looking for patterns, and it is looking for patterns of safety and security, because when a brain feels safe and a body is safe, it can thrive. So that's what the brain wants to do. It's built to be alive. It's built to... Find the safest, most comfortable place. So when the brain feels frightened, it takes in all of the sensory information, the sights, the sounds, the touch, the smell and the taste of what's happening around them and around the person, the body, and makes a decision if that is safe or unsafe. Now, the default setting is that everything is unsafe, so it doesn't actually take very long for the message to get from the limbic system to the brain, in the brain to uh, the bottom half of the brain that says, run as fast as you can, drop to the floor, roll under the bed, pretend you're dead, or freeze. So fight, flight, freeze, you might have heard that, or in other instances, fawn, do whatever you can to avoid the conflict in order to keep the peace. So... When the brain is doing that, it's in survival mode and it is not thriving. It's not thinking smart thoughts. It's not being clever about how do I get out of this situation because it doesn't know how to. So that fear center in our brain is in overdrive. It's doing all of the decision making for us. And you might hear people or have heard, even had an experience yourself where you've been in shock and you can't think. You didn't know what to do next. It's so weird. We've been watching that SAS show on Channel 7 and, oh, actually, maybe wrong channel. <laughs> We've been watching that SAS show and last week the contestants had to jump into a ice pit up to their neck in ice. And one of they were given instructions and one of the instructions was submerge, so go underneath the ice. One of the people who were in it started to get out of the water. And the, the, the um, SAS guy goes, what are you doing? I told you to submerge. And this person had a huge, they just confused, like completely out of their um, smart brain and totally in survival mode, which said, get out of the water. Yeah. So that kind of processing is very limited and we can't think straight. Yeah. When we learn to calm, because we're in that state, our heart rate is up, our glands are sweating. We're, you know, feel sick in the stomach. Sometimes our memory shuts down; we can't remember stories or what's happening very clearly. And so, in order to break that cycle, we need to regulate. In childhood trauma, when you don't learn to regulate, you maintain a level of activation that makes you hyper-aware, hypersensitive. You might fly off the handle really easily. You might not be able to focus. All of those symptoms that you were describing before that sometimes are a part of ADHD are also a part of post-traumatic stress disorder. Any number of mental health issues can arise from these conditions. And learning to calm, learning to uh, allow the brain to go, actually, this is safe and I can very carefully step forward because I know how to keep myself calm in the face of the unknown.
1: Does that, mm, is that yeah. fit? Yeah, absolutely. I I love how you explain that. Well, I,
2: I to me, I feel like I'm not crazy. If, <laughs> if I am able to say to myself, oh, I know what's happening here, I'm scared, or this is a memory or a sound or a smell or a touch that I remember from a very traumatic experience, then... I am going to immediately go back there and feel that trauma again or be re-traumatised. Again, that SAS show, they were having a fight and there was an older lady being punched up by a younger lady and one of the other guys on the side of the, uh, who was watching this, he watched his mother be beaten when he was a child and if you had seen that, you would see he was trying to reach in and he's going, no, stop. And he's a fully grown man, but he sounds like a little boy. It's like he was right in the midst of that trauma again. Yeah. And I just was, I was blown away. I couldn't believe that him watching that was the thing that brought it out in him. Yeah. He couldn't help himself. He stepped forward and, and then he had to pull himself back yeah. and go, oh, that, that's not what we're doing here.
1: Yeah.
2: So being... You know, if for him in that state, if he was to recognise, oh, I can see what's happening here, how do I calm myself now because I'm not in that situation anymore? You know, that isn't my mother. This is part of where I am in the present, not where I am in the past. And then maybe I can regulate myself in that moment to the present.
0: Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram.
1: So my friend, the big question is, can we heal from trauma and if so, how?
2: Yes. (laughs) That's a very simple word. Is it complicated? Yes. (laughs) Can it take a long time? Yes. Does it have to take a long time? No. And there's a whole range of therapies, isn't there, and things
1: that we can do to heal?
2: Absolutely, there are. There are almost like a three R's of healing trauma. And I don't even have the first one written down here, but it is finding the sense of safety in my body, like coming back to self yep. and breathing, grounding. I mentioned rhythm before, walking. Lots of clients actually talk about going by the ocean yeah. because the ocean has a rhythm and that's something that they find calming. And, and to think that that's the type of calming we might have had when we were a child in a healthy parent-child relationship yeah. We might have been rocked in a pram, we might have been held and rocked. Those are some of those sensations that bring up really positive feelings for us. And so we draw, we're drawn to those things. The second part is about remembrance and mourning. So reconstructing the trauma and transforming that memory into something maybe that you can reckon with or make makes sense of for yourself and the final part is reconnection, and that is reconnection to myself, reconnection to others, and that may help me resolve the, the effects of what the trauma has had. And the ways we do that, we find somebody who can help us through it. Yep. There are evidence-based approaches like cognitive behavioural therapy, mindfulness-based CBT, EMDR, yeah, which we, uh,
1: you've talked with Tracy Lynch yeah. about that on the show. before. Yeah, first. had Tracy Lynch Very come on and yeah, talking about EMDR and and she's like it's amazing for healing trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's sensory motor processing, and then there's the things that you can
2: just do every day without the therapeutic side of it: yoga, walking, and talking with a friend. The the point or the purpose of having somebody who's skilled is that they are there to listen just to you without the judgment, without assessing the trauma, and their job is to not re-traumatize you but rather help you be nurtured through that process. Yeah. Yeah, which is what we really want so that healed people don't usually hurt people but
1: hurting people do tend to hurt other people. Hurt people hurt other people. Yeah. yeah. And at the end of the day, like I say, we just want to give live a good, happy, soulful life. Amen. <laughs> yeah, th-
2: look, I think, don't, uh, right, like this is hard work yeah. and it can be confronting and lots of people are afraid of doing it because they don't want to open the uh, Pandora's box, so to speak. And people have said to me, oh, I'm, a- I'm afraid if I start crying, I'll never stop. Well, I think most people have stopped crying at some point and that's yeah. okay because we might walk around with it contained, yeah.
1: but we're a work in progress. Yeah, if somebody is thinking about making an appointment with a counsellor or a psychologist or psychotherapist, what can they expect in the first session? So I would imagine that you
2: would start by the the therapist would start by finding out about you and who you are, and also what you want from the process. So a client centred approach, you would be looking for somebody who has a client centred approach, which means you're at the centre and that they are on board with your goals and their job is to keep you protected throughout that process. So sometimes traumas are not the very, you you think you're going to be talking about the big thing and you end up talking about all the other things around the big thing. And if you feel safe to do that, that is you just testing out, am I safe with this person? And so to acknowledge that is really important because that's what you really want to do. Find someone who can teach you to feel safe so that you can learn to feel safe within your own skin and your own person. Yeah. So I can comfort and nurture myself if I need to when all the shit hits the fan. I need to be able to regulate my own self instead of telling everybody else to get lost (laughs) or you want to fight me (laughs) or running and hiding under the bed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you would encourage people to seek out some sort of therapy or support.
2: Absolutely, and it doesn't have to be a psychologist. Uh,
1: I, I've been working with a kinesiologist, a counsellors. Yeah, I see a kinesiologist, and she's amazing. She's helped me with, she's helped me with a lot of stuff. <laughs> as has
2: mine, as has mine, and yeah. and she's my go to now. And and that's the thing. Like I have go to people. They're my person for that thing. I, I have a relationship counsellor where husband and I go to. She's our go-to. If we want somebody to look at it from the outside and reflect something uh, of what they see to help us through, Yeah, amazing, amazing. And, yes, it's hard. That first session, that first phone call I always think is the hardest, which is, you know, hi, I need some help. Can I book in? Yeah. You can be brave. That'll be the hardest phone call, but it could well be the entry into healing for you. Yeah. If you're ready to make that call, you already know, you know that there's something that needs to be addressed.
1: Okay. So how can people find out more about you? Well,
2: I'm in self-imposed lockdown (laughs) until the
1: end of honours. But yes, I've got a website, kazamos.com.au. Yeah. Kaz, again, runs a support group, our Empowerment Circle at Got Your Back Sister and also various workshops, Rebuild and Reconnect and Brave and Courageous. So you can always reach out to Got Your Back Sister if you want to participate in some of those group workshops or the support group. Yeah. And I've also been running workshops.
2: I just ran one last week in self-regulation for parents of children with additional needs in, in local support groups. So That's something that I've been able to offer as well during these times. Over Zoom, of course.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Kaz, for coming in and, and explaining more about trauma. Don't be afraid of it, people. Just find
2: the right person to take you through and don't stop till you find the right person. Thanks so much, Kaz.
1: Thanks, Mel. Thanks,
0: all sisters. Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesisterco.com.